Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from a recent message given by our pastor, Dennis Fountain. We hope this sermon will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Last week, uh, last week we spent a few minutes in uh, Psalm 133, and we studied out some thoughts that David wrote about the importance of, remember the word? The importance of what? Oh, someone said it, unity. Importance of unity. Last week we talked about that, and uh, we took time to understand just the simple truth that every relationship, um, every relationship struggles with being on the same page. And every relationship struggles with, uh, with having that idea of unity, folks getting along, same goals, same uh, direction. Um, but the truth, the, the fact of the matter is that God doesn't want that for his church. Uh, for the people of the church, God desires that we would move forward in unity, knowing the goal, knowing exactly what God wants in our life, and as one unit, Uh, going forward towards that goal. And so we saw from Psalm 129, we saw three thoughts last week. Number one, we saw that unity is excellent, Uh, that it's something the Bible says it is both good and pleasant. Uh, Man, it's, it's, it's a superb thing when people walk together in unity. Then we also saw that it's effective, that when we are walking together in unity, uh, it's an effective thing. It, it, people know about it, and it has a long-reaching, uh, well, a long-lasting reach. I'll say it that way. It's, an effect, it's effective when we're in unity. And then the last one we looked at is that it's evidence of God at work. It's evidence of God at work. And we talked about uh, the dew that's upon Mount Hermon and the mountains of Zion and how that that doesn't happen except by God. And the same thing is true in uh, a unity among believers. And so tonight, uh, we're going to continue down this road of understanding how important it is for unity. And I want to start tonight by reminding us about God's thoughts on it. There's an old prophet, and it's on your handout. An old prophet said it this way in Amos chapter 3. And verse number three, he said, can two walk together except they be agreed? Can two walk together except they be agreed? This is where I need both of you and your coats. Come on over here. Thanks. Here, come here. I want you to stand right there and you stand right here. Put your arms together. Give me your arms. Thanks. I won't ruin it. All right. Not yet, no. Okay, Dennis, I want you to go that way, and Robert, I want you to come this way. Okay, go. All right. All right, come back, come back, come back. Don't violently kill each other. Okay, Harry, come back. All right, now this is a, it's a silly illustration, but it serves the point of this verse. And I want you to see what I'm talking about. Give me your arms again. Don't, don't take this off this time. This is a raggy coat. Um, the, the Word of God says this. Can two walk together except they be agreed? They weren't walking together just then. They were stumbling together. Right? They were stumbling. Here's why. They weren't agreed on the direction. 
Okay, now again, this is silly, it's very simple, but I believe this helps us understand what the prophet is getting, trying to get across, what David wrote about in Psalm 133, what we find uh, um, Abraham challenging Lot worth, a lot with in Genesis chapters 12 and 13, and then what we're gonna find tonight in Romans chapter 15 and Romans 14. And the thought is what this verse says. Can two walk together except they be agreed? You're not gonna have two people effectively moving forward together unless they're agreed on the direction. All right, now I want you guys to both go that way. Great job. Now you two can be seated. Give them a hand, all right? And unwrinkle your coats. <laughs> Now listen, again, I know it's a silly illustration, but I was sitting in my office and I was thinking, how, can we, how could we understand this concept that unity is so important? And I, I really think it's just a child's illustration that brings the concept down to where we can grasp it. To understand that two people cannot move forward. A church can't move forward unless we're agreed on the direction and joined together in that. And so two can't walk together except that they're agreed. And as believers, we need to understand that whether we like it or not, well, wait, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me do this real quick. We talked about this last week, about the unity of a believer and the unity of a church, that we have a goal, okay? The goal is to see people come to know Jesus Christ as their savior. The goal is to be a light of Christ in the community, and if I were to get both of them back up here and I were to uh, write on a big piece of paper, if I were to write on a piece of paper, child of God on one and another paper that says, I'm a Christian. So we pin child of God on Robert and we pin I'm a Christian on Dennis. If those two, we tied them together then and we begin to see them argue and fighting and stumbling to go direction, does that reflect on them or does that reflect on their label? It does both, doesn't it? All right, it reflects on them as a person, but it's reflective upon that label too. And here's, what, here's the, the thought I wanna get across with that. That every one of us, if you know Christ as your savior, you wear a label. Whether you like it or not, you wear a label. People know you as a child of God. They know you as a Christian. And people based upon how we get along with other Christians, people judge our God. They judge God based upon the relationships that we have with other believers. And when believers are not getting along, when believers are not walking together agreed, then they're reflecting negatively upon their God. You see, once you trust Christ as your savior, each decision that you make is either going to help the cause of Christ or it is going to hurt the cause of Christ. Let me just stop for just a second, and this, this has nothing to do with unity, but I just wanna tell you that, uh, that that statement, every decision we make is going to either help or hurt the cause of Christ. Can I tell you that comes down to the words that we speak, it comes down to what we post online, it comes down to how we treat people in the workplace, and we may think, well, it's just one conversation. Every decision we make is going to reflect what is going to reflect our God. It's gonna hurt him or it's gonna help the cause. But when you look at this idea of being a believer and being a church family, as a church, how we move forward is going to reflect our God in the community. 
This is something that I believe when you go to scripture again, we see its importance, but this is something specifically in Romans 15 that I'm super challenged with. And I believe it was, it was Paul's direction as he wrote Romans 14 and 15 is the idea of he's trying to help the house churches that we find addressed in chapter 16, trying to help the house churches understand the importance of unity, moving together, and, uh, and recognizing that they reflect Christ. And so the same is true in our life, and we're gonna be challenged with that tonight. So let's stand, and let's go to Romans 15. Romans 15, we're gonna read the first um, seven verses of Romans chapter 15 tonight, and then we'll preach through this and... And head out. Romans chapter 15 and verse number one, it says this, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproach thee fell on me. For whosoever, or excuse me, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. I want you to go back and I want you, if you would, to read verse number six. Why don't you read it out loud with me? Romans chapter 15 and verse number six. Ready, begin. That ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. If that was the only verse that we read in this passage, I believe we could very easily come to the conclusion that Paul is trying to challenge believers to be unified for the gospel. Would you agree with that? I think we can come to the conclusion that he is trying to say, I'm writing to you so that you will, with one mind and one mouth, draw glory to God, bring glory to God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. His purpose in this is the main thrust of this passage. My goal in writing to you, these last few words, my goal is that you as churches would be unified to bring God glory. The truth is that we are to bring God glory. Everything that we say and do is supposed to glorify God. But when a church does not operate in unity, it cannot bring God glory. I found this quote and I, I thought it would be helpful. Disunity and disagreement do not glorify God. They actually rob him of glory. Disunity and disagreement. They don't make people say, I want your God. They make people say, ooh, if that's what Christianity is, ugh, I don't want that. Tonight, we're again just gonna look at this idea of unity and be challenged with this verse that we may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We'll be challenged in unity, seeing again that it matters to God and asking ourselves, is it gonna matter to me? Let's pray and then we'll get in the word of God tonight. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, why don't you take just a minute and in the quietness of your own heart, just commit the, the night to God, ask him to speak to you. And then make a commitment that as he speaks to you that you're listening to him, 
and you'll make a decision based on how he speaks to your heart. Dear Lord, thank you again for the day. We pray that you would help us tonight to be challenged through your word. God, I again just humble my heart before you and I recognize that I need you, Lord. I I have nothing to offer except for your word and what you tell me. And so God, I pray that you would help me to be sensitive to your spirit and that you would use me and humble my heart to you, Lord. And I pray that you'd help each of us tonight to hear exactly what you want us to hear and be challenged in the areas you want us to be challenged in. Thank you for your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You go ahead and be seated. If you were here um, last year, we preached through the book of Romans and came to uh, Romans chapter number 14. And uh, what you discover in Romans chapter 14, again, is Paul really challenging the believers to focus on their own heart, focus on their own walk with the Lord. One of the key verses of Romans 14 is Romans 14, 12, where Paul said uh, in verse number 12, so then every one of us will give an account of himself to God. And the entire... uh, um, picture or reason that Paul is writing Romans 14 and 15 is, is those interpersonal relationships. And he's trying to get across, and you, if you were to go back uh, to the beginning of Romans chapter number 14, you would see that Paul is writing about not eating meat or eating meat and uh, deferring to maybe the weaker Christians and all those things. And a lot of that people want to argue a bunch of different things over. We're not going to get into all of that tonight. Just simply to uh, suffice it all to say that Paul is wanting them to understand how you get along affects how people view your God. How you get along in the church affects how people view your God. And so what Paul is going to do is he uh, uh, is trying to draw them to the conclusion that, boy, if, that, if it matters that much, we need to pay attention to how we get along. Well, why should we pay attention to how we get along, Paul? So that you can, with one mind and one mouth, glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, you should care about the relationships with other believers because that relationship is reflective upon your relationship with God and upon God himself. And so as Paul continues on the topic here in Romans 15, we find him giving that challenge that we find in our verse. I'm writing this to you so that you, would, with, with unity, would glorify God. And so in this passage, Paul, I believe he gives us in these few verses that we look at that surround Romans 15, 6, he gives us a few keys in moving forward in glorifying God. And so I want to take the Bible tonight. I want us to look at this and understand that God is glorified when we do some things. Number one, I believe that God is glorified when we look to support. God is glorified when we look to support. Verse one and two, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak, not to please ourselves, let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. The key thought here is the idea of encouraging or building up believers that are around me. There's three words that help us understand the key in these two verses, and those three words are the word bear, please, and edification. The word bear means to lift, to carry, or to take up. The word please means to be agreeable or to be agreeable with. And the word edification means building or to build. And so Paul is writing and he's challenging these followers of Christ to lift up the weak. Hey, it is your job as a follower of Jesus to put aside pettiness. Don't please yourself but instead look to invest and build up somebody else. And I know that 
some would read this and say, well, I'm not supposed to be building people up because I'm a weaker Christian right here. Or, you know what, I do really good at this because I'm the strong Christian. But I would venture to present this case to us tonight. While the main emphasis is upon the strong bearing the weak, we need to know that every single person in here has weak moments in their Christianity. Every one of us go through seasons of weakness. And you know what we need? We need someone to encourage us, to bear us up, to help us, to uh, lighten our load. We need someone to come alongside and to support us. And here's the truth. God, he's glorified when we work at lifting each other up. And God is glorified when we build up or sustain those around us. This is a helpful, goal to, uh, a helpful goal toward unity or a helpful tool toward unity. Think about this. If, if someone's encouraging you, you're more likely to want to be around them. You're more likely to want to play with them. I think about... Uh, sports and, and coaching and uh, different things and uh, coach, helping coach another team again this year. And, and you know what I've noticed is players at the high school level, I mean, talking eighth and ninth grade all the way up to, to 12th grade, do you know what speaks the best to, to players? Encouragement. And encouragement speaks the best. And I had one, one player tonight at practice before church and Tonight, the, the other coaches, they're just, tonight's kind of a harder night on the players, just running, and, and, uh, and it, was, it, was, it was a rough night. It'd be rough on anybody. And one of our players, at one point, he was doing something wrong, and I could tell it was just in his head, like, I cannot do this. I'm gonna give up. And so he kept just kind of quitting through the entire drill. And I pulled him aside and called him by name. I said, what, what are you doing? He said, I just can't do it, coach. He said, I, I, can't, I can't do it. And I said, yes, you can. He said, no, I can't. And we began talking for a few, really about five minutes. I was standing there talking to him. And I said, do you think God's given you, and it's at the Christian school, do you think God's given you this spirit of I can't do it? I said, no. Who do you think that's coming from? It's coming from me. It's probably coming from the devil. I'm saying, yeah. And the devil would love for you to quit, but God would love for you to step up and realize I've been given the ability to move I've been given the muscles to move. I've been given the energy to do this. I've been given the opportunity to do it. So I need to do it to the best of my ability. And I began to just try to encourage him. And you know what? After a few minutes, with tears rolling down his face, a smile hit. And he was like, you're right. We can do this. I've got this. Now, I've been on the other end of that where I've been going, what are you doing? Come on, get it together. You know what, when you just hound that in, now there's times, there's times to be aggressive and times as that coach to, uh, if you coached football with me and Dan this year, you'd know there's, there's times with those fifth and sixth grade boys to, there's one time when Dan and I were yelling the same player's name because he just wasn't listening. We're going, hey, hey, and just yelling his name over and over and over again. You know what, there's times for that, but most of the time, you know what the best thing to do is? The best thing is just to be an encourager. It's the same within the church. And there's great times to say, hey, what are you doing? Come on, get it together. Let, 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 what, what, you know, what you're saying, what you've been doing, it's just not the best thing. But there's other times to say, hey, listen, you can do this. You've got, you've got this. You can read the word every day. It's all right. That's not below you, man. You, the devil's fighting you. It's okay. Move forward and say, hey, you can witness to that coworker. That's an okay move. It's all right. 
Man, there's a big difference between encouraging and instructing. And you and I need to realize that God has given us the opportunity to encourage each other. And that's going to bring and help uh, that unity among believers. And when you talk about building each other up, when you talk about this idea of, uh, of supporting each, other's, or each other, I think we as believers need to be aware of the spiritual health of other Christians around us. You say, hey, Pastor, how, do we, how are we aware of the spiritual health of other people? You know, sometimes it's not as hard as we make it. Someone who's uh, spiritually healthy, they're probably gonna be faithful to church. Someone who's spiritually healthy, they're probably gonna be engaged in the aspects of a church service. Someone who's spiritually healthy, they're probably gonna be one that doesn't show up five minutes late and, and leave five minutes early. You say, Pastor, are you picking on anybody in particular? No, nope, not even, I'm not even thinking it. Here's what I'm thinking, that a healthy believer is usually pretty easy to spot. And an unhealthy believer is sometimes easy to spot. Sometimes you can look and, and whenever you're around somebody and you walk up and you say, hey, how you doing? And they go, doing all right, it's been a rough week. Now, are they an unhealthy Christian right then? No, but they might be approaching, they might be coming to that because of the attack or because of discouragement or something. You know what they need? They need a believer to say, hey, I, I can sustain you. Man, I'm gonna build you up. I wanna encourage, hey, I'm praying for you. Hey, I love you. Hey, listen, you still got a dog in this fight. Hey, you're not done yet. God's still behind you. Hey, there's still some good things happening in your life. What am I doing? I'm just working to encourage them, working to build them up. Uh, when you go to scripture, Paul writes about this idea of building people up and he uses it, we'll see the verse in, in the end of the message in Colossians 3, but he says this, he uses the phrase for bearing one another. Look down at the bottom of your handout, Colossians 3.13. Paul says, for bearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. But those first words, forbearing one another, the idea of forbearing literally means to hold up. And it's the same, kind of, the same idea when we look at verse number 15, we that are strong ought to bear the infirmities, ought to hold up. Our, weak, our weaker Christian and the, those that may be struggling around us. And can I tell you one of the best ways to, to hold up, one of the best ways to hold up other believers is just to simply be an encourager. And just be someone who encourages other people. But you know what encouragement takes? It takes not pleasing ourselves. Look at verse two of Romans 15, what's he say? Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. Hey, look to please somebody else for their good to, to building. Man, sometimes it's, it should be a goal of mine to not please myself in every conversation and have to, uh, sometimes we, we tear down in order to build ourselves up. Sometimes we can gossip and tear other people down in order to build up uh, our, our uh, story or our end of the story or something like that. And the fact is that Paul is writing, he writes some very, a very blunt thought right there. Hey, don't, don't go to please yourself. If you're gonna bear other people, if you're gonna encourage other people, man, it's gonna, it's gonna come down to you saying it's not about me. Number one, if we're gonna glorify God, we need to look to support. Number two, we need to lean on the Savior. Lean on the Savior. 
You know, the type of thinking that is not focused on self, that is looking at pleasing God and pleasing other people and encouraging others, the type of thinking and that type of living, it can't be manufactured over a long period of time. You can't just, you know, you, you can't just put your mind to it and be an encourager. You can't just put your mind to it and be a, an other's people pleaser, a, a God pleaser. You can't be supportive of others over a long period of time without help. And that's what Paul looks to. This is where those next few verses come in because Paul is, he knows that what is being asked of us, it's beyond us. And so he brings it down to three ways that we receive help. Three ways we receive help. You already see them there on your handout. They're not a blank. Number one, we receive help through the Savior. Verse number three, he says, for even Christ... Please not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of, of them that reproached thee fell on me. Paul looks at the example of Jesus. Hey, when Jesus came, came, came to die, it wasn't for his own pleasure, but he bare our reproach. He took our sin upon him. And Paul is just highlighting this fact. You need to remember that Jesus came. He didn't please himself. Remember what Jesus prayed in the garden? Father, let this cup pass from me. Hey, not my will, but thine be done. Man, Jesus Christ, and this is what Paul is getting at, he's saying, hey, he didn't please himself, and that's an encouragement. He bore your sin, just as you and I are to bear the infirmities, the weakness of the other brethren. Jesus, he bears our sins. So if you want to be encouraged and challenged to live uh, uh, in such a way that you're bearing the burdens of others, if you need someone to help you with that, look to Jesus. Hey, look to the Savior. He did it. Number two, he says you can look to the scriptures. Look to the scriptures. Verse number four. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now that thought was kind of tricky on me earlier as I was studying this and looking at this idea of the encouragement of the scriptures and the help of the scriptures why don't you look at what it says, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have, what's the word? Hope. And it's in this verse that Paul states one of the reasons the word of God is given to us. It's given to us for us to learn that there is hope in following God's way of doing things. His plan worked out for others, and it can work out in your life. In the Christian life, there's so many times when we feel like we just can't accomplish what God is requesting for us to accomplish, but it's during these times that the word of God reminds us that his plan has worked since the beginning of time. And hey, what God has given you, they were written for our, uh, they were written aforetime, they were written before you even came around. Why? For your learning. Well, what's the purpose? So that you, through patience, that area of patience is a steadfast endurance and comfort of the scriptures, hey, the comfort of the word of God it's written so that you might have hope, so that you can know what God told them and they did, it works. And so I can do the same thing. I can bear the infirmities of those around. I can be an encourager. Our church can walk to, I can be in unity with other believers. Why? Because it's happened before. And we have hope. The last area of encouragement that Paul gives us in this passage is the area of supplication. Hey, you're not going to be a sustainer of those around you 
Without the help of God and Paul, verse number five, he says, now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. This verse is pointing to prayer. I believe that this was specifically a prayer that Paul was praying for the people and him saying, now I'm praying that the God of patience and consolation would grant you uh, this like-mindedness, this unity toward each other and toward according to Christ. But I think it's a good reminder to the believer that we're not gonna walk in unity unless we're walking with, with God. We're not gonna walk in unity with others unless we have that relationship with him and we're praying, God, help me to walk in unity. God, help me to humble my own heart. There's a great verse that I think we can bring in. It's James 1.5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Listen, God cares about what we pray for. And when we're maybe going through a season where we're discouraged and where we're needing someone to build us up, maybe we pray for that. But uh, other times when we're going through a season where maybe we feel like we're not in unity with things and, and maybe we just don't feel in sync and maybe, maybe it's at home or at church or whatever it is, you know who can help that? God can. Man, God can help that. I remember there was times growing up when my parents would just give us the encouragement of, hey, you can't do anything about that, but God can. Hey, you can't change their heart, but God can. Man, aren't you thankful that he's God and you are not? Man, he has limitless power and ability to work in a situation. And I believe tonight that we need to see that glorifying God, it doesn't just happen. Man, it's something that every believer needs to be walking in unity. And when we're walking in unity, man, then that glorifying God really begins to take place. Unity, it doesn't just happen. We need God's help for that. Man, we need the, we need the reminder of the Savior. Man, he came and he gave up his pleasure. He, he didn't please himself. He died for us. Oh, the scriptures, they point to people that give you hope. Hey, they did it. You can too. Oh, and don't forget the last one. There's the, the prayer to God. Hey, God is able. He's able to give you the ability to do this. He's able to give you the desire. He's able to work in hearts. So we glorify God when we look to support. We glorify God when we lean on the Savior. I want you to see lastly tonight that we glorify God when we learn to be selfless. When we learn to be selfless, we briefly looked at this in verse number two about not pleasing ourselves, but I think Paul highlights this selflessness in verse number seven when he says this. Wherefore, receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. That word wherefore is like him saying, because of this goal of glorifying God, because of that, you need to make it your priority to receive people like Jesus receives you. Well, how did Christ receive us? How does Christ receive us? He receives us with selflessness. His love is a selfless love. His forgiveness is a selfless forgiveness. His sacrifice was a selfless sacrifice. Everything about Christ's reception of us is selfless. You want to know the one thing that every single one of us could get better at? Living selflessly. Not selfishly. We don't need help with that. We can do pretty good. But we need help at living selflessly. We go through life focused on us, and 
I think that's one of the main reasons that we miss out on unity. I think that's one of the reasons that we miss out on good fellowship with other believers is because we're going through life selflessly. Can I say that I believe that that's one of the reasons that we miss out on serving opportunities and blessings from God is because we often go through life selfishly rather than selflessly. Well, if I serve, what do I get? Well, if I give, what's he gonna do? Well, if I do that, what's he going to? Can I just say, if there's prerequisites to our surrender to God, it is not surrender. Well, God, I surrender to you if you will. No. You know what our surrender to God needs to be? It needs to be like they do at youth camp sometimes. You get a piece of paper that's blank and you sign your name at the bottom of it. And you bring it up and you say, here it is, God. Well, what's this? It's, every, it's anything. I sign my name to it, you put in the details. Hey, I sign my name to my surrender, you put in the details of what surrender looks like. That's selfless living. That's how Christ received us and this is how, this is how Paul is saying we should receive each other selflessly. You know it's gonna increase unity in your life when you selflessly love people around you regardless if they love you back. When you selflessly give of yourself to people regardless of what you get. When you selflessly, can I give you a big one? We talked about it last week. We're gonna talk about it tonight a little bit. When you selflessly forgive people. You know, one of the reasons that often most of us maybe don't walk in unity is because we, we're bad forgivers. We're great grudge holders, but bad forgivers. Can I tell you, there's probably one area I think there's a bunch of areas, but one that I've been thinking about lately. I think a pastor could get up and preach on forgiveness just about every message and people would be challenged with it. And it would get quiet. Like there's not a lot of amens when you start talking about forgiveness. And I know there's a pastor when I'm coming to forgiveness and I've talked about it with other guys that preach and coming to talk about a subject and you know it's hitting home when people are like, hey, Yes, it's good. I mean, it's the Bible, but I have to listen to this, you know. <clears throat> Let's go back to that verse we looked at a second ago, Colossians 3.13, forgiving one another, or forbearing one another and forgiving one another. Hey, you're supposed to stay, sustain other believers and you're su supposed to forgive other believers. Forgiving, it means to grant forgiveness to give graciously, to give freely, to bestow. It means, and I love this definition, it's not on your handout, but it means to give away my right to get even. To give away my right to get even. Our culture doesn't have that way of thinking. Our culture is if someone does you wrong, it's fine for you to get even. Our culture is if someone offends you, you look for ways to offend them. But that's not the way it should be. When Christ came, he said, I'm gonna give you something different. Forgive. Give away your right to get even. Forgiving is something that every single person struggles with, but when it takes place in our life, it is blessed by God. It brings unity to a relationship when forgiveness takes place. 
Now again, forgiveness does not mean trust. There are some people that they, every single person who's hurt you, they need your forgiveness. But some people who hurt you, they don't need to be allowed back into your circle of trust again. Okay, that's just, that's just wisdom, all right? And we, we don't wanna talk about that tonight, but I'll tell you right now that people, uh, and, and again, I don't know anybody's situation in here, so I'm not thinking anything in particular, but people who go through rough situations, maybe where there's been uh, relationship hurts or, or even uh, crimes committed of molestation and different things like that, listen, there's still, there needs to be forgiveness there, but not trust allowed again. There's a big difference Forgiveness says, I release you of my right to get even. I won't get even because God is the righteous judge. God will take care of this. I'm giving it to him. And every time I think about it, I give it to him. Trust says, now I allow you entrance into my life again. You don't have to do that. Forgiveness is not trust. Okay, forgiveness simply says, I give up my right to get even. And you know what happens when we forgive? We're living selflessly. Man, God can bring some health back into your life again. I praise the Lord for our uh, evangelist that comes through and can't anymore because of his health, but Brother Richard King. Pastor Richard King preached a message, and I think we have it on CD. I'd love to find it. Maybe one of you guys find this uh, this week. He preached it in 2012 or 2013, and it was a message on forgiveness. And I, I will never forget it. Because the illustration that he gave, and I've heard the message a couple of times since then, but the illustration he gave was about a girl who was a lady in his church that she had been uh, abused uh, physically and sexually by her, by her father, biological father, when she was a kid. And now she was in like her 30s. And he said, I got up to preach a message and I was preaching it on forgiveness. He said, I'm preaching this message and this young lady came up to me after service. She said, Pastor, great message, great principle, but here's my story, and she shared her story with him. And he said, I was there, you know, and I forget how he recounts it, but he's a great storyteller. He's there, and he's saying, I, I tell, she's telling me this, and I'm in tears. And she looks at me, and she says, so you mean to tell me that I should forgive him? He said, it was the hardest words to, look, to say to her. But I looked her right in the eyes, and I said, yes. But that doesn't mean you give him entrance into your life again. And he said, I began to help her. My wife and I began to help this young lady go through this. And he was like, you'd be glad to know that as when we left the church, you know, to move on to a different church to help revitalize it, he says, that young lady, you know, two or three years later, she was able to walk up to him and say, Pastor King, I forgave my dad. I wrote him a letter because he's still in prison. I wrote him a letter and I told him I forgive him. Pastor King, can I tell you what peace came over my heart when I did that? And I know I'm not gonna, I know I'm gonna have to do it every day. I know every time I think about it, I'm gonna have to forgive him again. But I want that peace because I was, I was the one living in the prison of bitterness when all I had to do to get out was, was forgive. Man, I look at a situation like that, and I remember hearing that story, and I was sitting right up here, and he's preaching right here, and I was in tears. Like, man, there have been people who have done way, I mean, petty things compared to that to me, and I, wanna, I don't want to forgive them. Well, that guy said something about me when we were, you know, 23 years old, that jerk. I want to punch him every time I see him. That's just pettiness. Here's what the Lord is saying in Colossians through Paul in Colossians and then in Romans 
And you want to be unified? Be selfless. Learn to forgive. One man said it this way, a spiritual Christian will take what seems like a large matter and make it smaller by responding properly. A carnal Christian takes what could remain a smaller matter and makes it larger. I just want us to understand tonight as we close this out that unity is something that truly matters. And you and I, we can hurt the glory of God when we're not unified. When we're not in unity with those around us, when we're not in unity with his church. Because Paul said, hey, the purpose of getting along and moving forward together, it's that you with one mind and one mouth can glorify God. Hey, that you in unity can bring him glory. And so tonight, I just want to encourage you with this thought that when God's children are walking together in unity, it brings a lot of attention to how great God is. But when his people are not in unity, it brings a lot of questions upon his character. I thought you were a Christian. I thought you were a follower of God. I thought that church. So the last thought again is unity is important to God. Is it important to you? It matters to God. Will it matter to you? I hope we'd be encouraged by this. And say, Pastor, is there something going on that we don't know about? No. I just prayed a couple weeks ago and thought, you know what? We just need to preach on some unity and some encouragement. Because every one of us could grow in it. Every one of us could grow at being a better Christian around the other Christians that we spend time with. And I don't know about you, but I would like it. I would like it if I was a better Christian. And I'd like it if you were too. And you'd like it if you were a better Christian. And you'd like it if I was too. There's growth that can take place. And so let's tonight just again come back to that place where we maybe reaffirm the decision. God, unity matters to you. It's going to matter to me. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.